This is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. During these days of COVID isolationism, have you begun to feel like worship isn't all it's cracked up to be? Do you feel like, why bother to gather together with the body of Christ when I can just watch it on my device? I wonder if we've lost focus on our target, and I wonder what it will take for us to catch a new vision for who he really is and how worthy he really is of our corporate praise and worship together. We're doing this series right now called Revision, and my hope is to be able to help you catch a new vision for who God is in your life and who He's making you to be, how He's transforming you, and the work that He's doing in you. Because I think our vision of God grows really, really small very, very quickly. I think we kind of lose sight of him. We kind of lose our focus, lose our vision of him, and he becomes really small. But we worship a big God, don't we? I mean, we worship a big God, a great God. So he's so big. Why why then, if he's so big, if he's so great, why is it hard for us to connect to him sometimes? Why is it that we'll sing songs in the room and, and, and some of us will be crying and pouring our guts out to him and some of us are going, I'm just not feeling it. Why, why is it sometimes just difficult for us to connect to him? If he's so big, why is it hard for us to find him sometimes? Us, believers, children of God, why is it hard to find, us, to find him sometimes? I don't know. Why don't you ask a better question, easier to answer question. Why don't you ask NASA why it's so hard to get to Mars? Okay, I mean, they've been, they've been wanting to get to Mars for a long time, talking about putting people on Mars since, you know, for real, since the uh, moon program back in the 60s and 70s. But it's hard to get to Mars. Mars is a difficult place to get to. Okay, so first of all, Mars, it's our nearest solar system neighbor it's the nearest planet to earth but at its closest approach at its closest approach it's still 33 million miles away and it's rarely that close i mean most of the time uh it's much farther than that it only gets close about once every 26 months at best it's a faint red dot in the night sky so it's 33 million miles away at its closest And whenever NASA is sending probes to Mars, not people, we've never tried to send people to Mars, but whenever we're sending probes, you know, like the the rovers that we send to Mars, uh, it's like shooting a bullet at a planet 33 million miles away. Not only is it a greatly distant target, but Mars, the target, is moving in its orbit at 50,400 miles per hour. So they're shooting a a bullet at a target moving over 50,000 miles per hour, and they're trying to land it on this thing that is circling, right? It's it's revolving. It's revolving at 
um, 539 miles per hour. So it's moving through space and rotating very, very quickly. And we're trying to shoot a bullet and hit it right on target. Not only that, but when we're shooting the bullet, Earth itself is moving at 67,000 miles per hour on its orbit around the sun. And it's spinning at 1,037 miles per hour. So this is no small task. Maybe this is why two-thirds of the Mars probes that have been launched there have failed They've missed their target because it's a really hard target to hit. I think that this is maybe a little bit of the problem for us with God. God feels far away. He feels like he's distant from us. And he feels like he's moving in a whole different direction. And we just can't quite get our arms around him. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's not just him, but we're moving fast. We got a lot of things going on in our lives, a lot of things competing for our attention and our affection. And not only that, but we tend to tell ourselves a cheap story about God. We talked about this last week. We went really into detail about how we kind of delude ourselves about the story of us and God. And instead of telling the real story about God, we tend to tell a cheap story about ourselves. Instead of a big, massive story that spans the entire universe and all of time, we settle for a little me timeline story. But fortunately, we have a much bigger target to aim for. And the first blank on your page, if you're following along, is the target isn't me, it's him. The target isn't me, it's him. Your focus, I know, I know wants to gravitate inward towards yourself but I want to help you today refocus and catch a little bit of a new vision for who he is and how to connect to him because that's your purpose. You hear me? That's your purpose in life. All right, man's purpose, your purpose, my purpose is to glorify God. And I promise you, I promise you, you will never fully experience the abundant life that Jesus has for you. You'll never experience the joy, the peace, and the satisfaction that he wants to give to you until you connect in to your purpose, and that is to glorify God. What that means is you're kind of like NASA. Your, your whole life is to be shot at your target. You're like an archer flinging your arrows at the target of God. That means your marriage is his. That means your finances are his. That means your career is his. That means your homework is his. It means everything about you belongs to him. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to us, and he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of of God. Everything you do, even eating and drinking, is for the glory of God. Everything in our lives are for Him. Our whole story is really about Him. Our story is really His story. I mean, that's what you find in the Scripture. When you're looking at the story of Scripture, it's all about Him, not about us. 
right? You go to the very beginning, uh, you go to Genesis, and you see God creating us for himself, right? He says this in Genesis 1. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, right? His whole act of creating us is so that we will look like him, so that we will reflect him, so that he can be seen in us. That's the beginning of the story. Then you look to the end of the story in Revelation, and the only creatures in the throne room with God are either flying around singing, holy, holy, holy are you, God, or they're more like me and you, and they're laying down their crowns at his feet. And here's what they're saying. You are worthy, Revelation 4. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. It's not about us. It's all about him. He is the target of the entire story. Paul the Apostle tells us the reason that we exist is this. In Romans eleven thirty six. 36, he says, For everything, that includes me and you, everything comes from him and exists by his power. And everything is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Can I get an Amen. It's all for him. It's not for us. And so if you're going to catch a vision of him, if you're going to see him, if you're going to be able to connect to him, worship him, if you're going to feel it, you got to know that it's his, not yours. you got to get your eyes off the tiny, tiny little story of yourself and be able to see him. Jesus told us himself, right, when he gave us the greatest commandment, here's the way he expressed it. He quoted Deuteronomy, which says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all of your strength. You got to love him even more than you love your kids or your grandkids. You got to love him even more than you love your truck, you know. You got to love him even more than you love living in Elegy. You got to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So, uh, one of our one of our Christianity's greatest doctrinal statements is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. All right, I know you guys probably don't have the uh, Shorter Catechism memorized. Maybe you don't even know what that is, but it's a great doctrinal statement. Came out of the Reformation, and uh, it starts off by saying this: that man's chief end is to glorify. God and enjoy him forever. The opening statement of the shorter catechism is that our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So what does that mean? Right? All this talk about glorifying God, what does it mean to glorify God in my life? Well, I want to just say that glorify is kind of like magnify. It's to make something great, right? That's sort of what it means. Magnify, glorify, magnify God. But here's what I want to tell you. We fall into the trap of the bad kind of magnify. There's a good magnify and there's a bad magnify when it comes to magnifying God. Let me illustrate by showing you a picture. You ever seen one of these? You know what that is? 
That right there is for real, I promise you. It's a real thing. This is called, this creature, this animal is called a tardigrade. And they're found all over the earth. There are over 1,300 different species of tardigrades. They are freaky weird, man. They got eight legs, eight legs. They got claws at the ends of their legs. They got a, some of them have a snout, some of them don't. Some of them are herbivores, and a lot of them are carnivores, right? And they are among the most resilient creatures known to science. These animals can be found all over the, the world in every type of environment, literally. Uh, they can be found, let's see here, in hot springs, under ice sheets, at the top of the Himalayas, inside mud volcanoes, in tropical rainforests, and even in Antarctica. These animals are so resilient that they can survive exposure to the vacuum of space and live <laughs> to tell about it. These things, if they wanted to, they could take over the entire world, and we should have every reason to fear them except for one thing. A fully grown tardigrade is about a half a millimeter long. They're literally microscopic. They're all over the place, but they're microscopic. And so the picture that you've seen up there on the screen is a microscopic picture. Someone used a microscope uh, to get the picture of the tardigrade. That's how you magnify a tardigrade. Magnifying through a microscope is to take something really, really small, really tiny, really microscopic, maybe totally insignificant, and make it seem really bigger than it is. I think a lot of times we believers this is the type of magnify that we fall into. I think that for many of us, we serve a microscopic God. I think that the God of our lives is a weak, say little, do very little God. We don't see a lot of life change in our lives. We don't hear his voice in our lives. We aren't pursuing him. And so really, really our version of God is pretty small. He's pretty microscopic. His goal for our life is that we would be good boys and girls, that we would not sin too much, and that we'd be polite to our neighbors. And that's what he hopes for us. Dude, that is a microscopic God. So what we do when we try to come together to corporate worship, to glorify him together, it, no wonder you have trouble engaging at that point. It's hard for you to praise a microscopic God. That's just fake praise. Am I right? That's just fake praise praise it's not even real it's not even real worship here's what it is it's just hype it's not real it's just hype no wonder you can't bring yourself to even say it out loud i got the words from one of the songs we sang earlier here you know so sometimes you got people around you oh okay the next blank sorry the next blank is that fake worship 
is just abuse. Fake worship is just abuse. If you are worshiping God, a microscopic God, then what you're doing is you're making something out of nothing. You're just lying to him about who he is. That's abuse. You're lying to yourself about who you want him to be. That's abuse. And you don't feel like you're a chosen child of the king. You just feel used. That's fake worship. No wonder you can't say it out loud. here's Here's the words from one of the songs we sang earlier. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Of course you don't want to sing that out loud because it's not happening in your life. God's not strong enough to bring you back from the dead. He's just hoping that you won't sin too much. And you serve a weak, microscopic God and your worship of him is just abuse. That's microscopic magnification. But there's another kind of magnification. Let me show you a different picture. This picture of the night sky is sort of like a naked eye kind of picture. And for centuries upon centuries, astronomers categorized that little yellow circled smudge in the sky as a nebula or a cloud of gas and dust inside the Milky Way galaxy. Because for century after century after century, astronomers believed that the entire universe was made up of the Milky Way galaxy. And there was nothing outside the Milky Way galaxy. And it wasn't until pretty recently, 1925, that an astronomer named Edwin Hubble, anybody recognize that name? Edwin Hubble came up with a way, discovered a way to measure great distances in space by using the redshift of stars. And he was able to determine that that little smudge that they thought was a gas cloud inside our galaxy, turns out it wasn't in our galaxy at all. It turns out that that little smudge is really an entirely different galaxy. And it's called the Andromeda Galaxy. It is a massive, massive galaxy, way even bigger than our own Milky Way galaxy. It's 2.5 million light years outside of our galaxy. You and I can't even comprehend one light year, let alone those millions of light years. You You know what a light year is. It's the distance light will travel in a year. Does anybody remember from school how fast light travels thank you really fast where's the diploma I can give somebody right now I heard somebody say it what is it 186,000 miles per second that's fast light travels faster than anything else in the universe and this thing is what is it 2.5 million light years away from us what that means is it's so far away that the andromeda galaxy could just turn off right now and you wouldn't even notice from here for 2.5 million years that's how far away it is it's a massive galaxy way bigger than ours Uh, it is 220 million light years 
across. That means if a star goes out um, next week on one end of the galaxy, the stars on the other end would notice for 220 million years. It's massive. It's so big and so massive that it's pulled in other galaxies around it. There are actually 14 other smaller galaxies orbiting the Andromeda galaxy. It becomes this massive, huge complex of galaxies that is hurtling through space at 250,000 miles per hour. And get this, it's not just flying through space at an unbelievable speed, but it's headed right for Lee Kent right now. It's headed right at him, the gravitational force right here. No, I'm not kidding. It's heading right here. It's on its way to the Milky Way galaxy. And when the Andromeda galaxy collides with the Milky Way, it's going to destroy everything. There's going to be all kinds of massive Damage and our galaxy will never, 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 never be the same afterwards. Fortunately, that won't happen for about another three to four billion years. <laughs> Susie. <laughs> now, if you want to know about the massive, incredible Andromeda galaxy, you don't use a microscope. What do you use? A telescope. You see, a microscope magnifies by taking something really tiny and making it bigger, making it seem bigger than it really is. But a telescope takes something massive and pulls it in close so you can see how awesome it really is. And if our role is to glorify, to magnify God, this is the type of magnify that we get to have because we serve an awesome God. We serve a God that is worthy of our worship. He is way bigger than the Andromeda galaxy. Our God spoke the Andromeda galaxy into existence along with everything else in the universe. That's why the psalmist says, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness, right? When you see, when you magnify through the telescope, it doesn't just make something tiny seem bigger than it is. When you magnify through a telescope, it boggles the mind. And when you praise a big God, it doesn't make you feel used it makes you feel loved makes you realize that you're unique and special you're a chosen child of the king it changes your perspective on everything and that's what worship is all about that's what glorifying him is all about next blank on your page is that real worship magnifies our target he is a way better target. I'm tired. I'm tired of fake worship. And I'm tired of the fake story that's just telling about ourselves because our target is way better than us. He holds the past, present, and future in his hands. That means he knows everything that's going to happen in 2021. He knows where America's going to end up through all this socialism rise that we see in our nation today. He knows how the pandemic will all come to an end. He knows what's going to happen in your family. And he is in charge of it all because he spoke it all into existence. If he's that big, if he's that big, he deserves our worship. Am I right? He deserves our praise all the time. He deserves for the arrows of everything in our lives to be flung at him always. Right? 
But the people who are focused on my story, my story, they ask their own question. Why should I glorify God? What's he ever done for me? Right? What's he ever done for me? Why, why, why aim for this impossible target? He's far away, and he never seems to show up when I need him. I don't know. Let's just think about it in these terms. Back to Mars. Remember, at its closest, Mars is 33 million miles away from us. Dude, that's ridiculously far, but, but Mars, you can measure the distance in miles as opposed to light years. So it's 33 million miles away from us at its closest. And we, we, me and you, we are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on research and development to try to get people there. Right? They've been talking about it since the moon program. And George W. Bush, when he was the president, he tasked NASA with building a rocket that could go to Mars, take people there. They've been working on it for 18 years, still hadn't got it off the ground yet. I don't know if they're ever going to make it. Now, Elon Musk and his SpaceX Corporation, they may just reach Mars. Um, They're actually test-firing rockets now that might be able to go to Mars. But either way, even if Elon Musk can get people there, even if people land on Mars and walk on Mars, I'm never going. And you're never going. Right? I mean, it's too expensive, it's too far, it's too dangerous, and I'm too old. I'm never going to walk on Mars. Are you ever going to walk on Mars? David Lynn might walk on Mars. I don't know. No, he's shaking his head no. Uh, never going to walk on Mars. It's just, it's, I, can't, I just can't do that. I just can't, it's a nine-month journey to Mars if you're going when it's at its closest. It's still, I can't, I can't sit in a spaceship for nine months, okay? So I can't get to Mars, But what if Mars decided to come to me? What if Mars decided to come all the way 33 million miles to me and say, oh, you want to see me? Well, here I am. Listen, that's what the cross is. The cross is the fact that I could never get to God. All have sinned and fall short. We try to shoot our arrows to him. We try to get to him, and we can never make it. You and I can never make it all fall short. And the result of our falling short, that sin that we have, is judgment and death. Right? It separates us from God because we just can't get there. And so God punishes sin. He punishes crimes against himself because he's a good God, and good kings pursue justice. So he punishes my sin, and that's it. I can never, never, never get to hear him. He's the creator king, high above everything, everyone. He's holy and pure. He's so far above his feet, his feet will never touch the ground. And me, I'm a prodigal son wallowing around in the pig poop. That's, that's the difference between me and God. How is a holy, righteous God going to entertain the guy who smells like pig poop. Not going to happen because I just can't get there. What relationship can a guy with pig poop have with a king? None. Yet that king chose to send his son to me to come here, to come and take the posture on his knees in front of us. This king 
who is part of the act of creation himself, he gets down on his knees and he washes our feet. What is up with this? He washes our feet and then the next day he's taken away to be beaten and whipped and to be hung on a cross. He does that for, for me and, and for you. He dies in my place. God's justice is enacted onto Jesus who pays the price for my falling short. He pays the price for my sin. He dies in my place and he rises from the dead to extend new life to me. And he takes this pig poop dead old nobody and he turns me into a child of the king. And so Paul writes in Ephesians 1, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You, you see this? Outside of the cross, God only has one thing for you, and it's judgment, death, but in Christ, next blank on your page, because of the cross, I've been given everything by the king. Because of the cross, he gives me everything. Dude, somebody ought to say amen to that. Your target is him, and you can never get there, so he comes all the way to you in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. You could never traverse the distance, so he comes all the way to you. How can I not glorify him? How can I sit there and pretend that he's some kind of little microscopic tardigrade not making any difference in my life when he instead gives me everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms? So I'm begging you to catch a new vision of who he is. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see, he will last forever. What this all means is that at one time I was decimated by sin. I was dead and I was destined for complete destruction but he gave me life when he raised me from the dead and he has begun a good work in me just like he has in you has he begun a good work in you Amen. he's begun a good work in you and nothing can stop the work that he's doing in you no pandemic can even slow down the work he's doing in you can I get an amen on that? There's no election that can stop God's work in you. There's no addiction that can stop God's work in you. Not even Satan himself can stop the good work that he's begun in you. He will never stop working, so I will never stop praising him. He is the unstoppable God. Nothing shall be impossible for him. So I will raise my hands 
and I will sing out. My wife complains that she can be up here singing and all she can hear in here is me yelling over here in the corner. I will sing at the top of my lungs. I'll have my hands up. I'll have my face down and I may look a little stupid to you, but I will praise him no matter what. Last blank is this. We will never stop glorifying our target. 